Welcome into the Pursuit of Manliness show, where we are vigorously equipping men to pursue biblical manliness. On today's show, my guest is Gordon Dalby. He is the author of Healing the Masculine Soul, How God Restores Men to Real Manhood. Uh, this is the second part of my interview. If you missed last week's show, you'll want to go to iTunes and check it out. You can download that episode as well as subscribe to the other episodes. If you would go to iTunes and leave a five-star review, and that would be extra manly as well. On this show, Gordon and I are going to talk about the problem men have understanding who they are because many times they don't understand Jesus. We have a weird, strange view of Jesus, and in a lot of ways, that clouds the way we see ourselves. He's going to answer the question, does Jesus exhibit the traits of the ideal warrior? Many times we've turned Jesus into a flannel graph guy or a guy who with a really soft, kind voice, and that is not the case. Gordon is going to talk about the power when men gather together and why men do their best to avoid it. He's going to explain the need for intentional calling out of boys to manhood in our society. He goes into great detail of an experience he had uh, being able to witness this firsthand while teaching on another continent. This is probably one of my favorite parts of the book, the calling out of boys to men, uh, not the 90s band. Um, This is something I believe many men wrestle with. When do they become a man? When does it officially happen? Is it when you get your license? Uh, Is it when you start carrying around a wallet, when you drink a beer, have sex, get a tattoo in the military, vote, get married? We can take those events I just mentioned and mix them all up and decide if we do them, somehow we have become a man. It used to be that you grew up in your parents' house, you graduated and either went to college or got a job, all the while moving out. Uh, Somewhere along the line, you got married and you worked until you were retired. We have somehow blurred this transition to the point where we have boys who can shave, boys who want to have the perks of men, just not the responsibilities of men. As men, we need to be intentional about helping these guys move into a different transition and season of life. It's also imperative that the parents of these boys also partner with this, that uh, we move them along. Far too long, uh, we fail to cut the umbilical cord, and we like to have um, them in our nest. And now I know that's challenging at times, and as a father who hasn't had any children move out of the house yet, that's easier said than done. But it's important that we understand we are moving them into a new season of manhood or womanhood. But before we get into the show, we need to talk about how 2017 is winding down. Uh, On the 90th day or the 90 days before the end of the year, we created something called the Pursuit of Manliness 90 Day Focus. And there's a hashtag POM 90 Day Focus. And some of you guys have engaged in that. Uh, While some of you have shared within the closed Facebook group, uh, the way that you are pursuing manliness intentionally with a sprint to end 2017 in a very intentional way. I just want to encourage you uh, with not many days left that we make sure that we finish strong, that we finish well. The other thing we want to do is create a plan and very intentionally about what we're going to read in 2018. With The Pursuit of Manliness, I've used that as a platform uh, to share books that I've read. I never share the ones that were are bad because, let's be honest, I haven't wrote a book and it's not my position to say if it's bad or not. I just don't share that content with you if I don't feel like it's a benefit to you. But when books have been a benefit or I do feel like they're a blessing, I usually write a blog post about it or share them on Instagram or Twitter in some uh, vein to make sure that you are able to uh, maybe get it across your eyeballs. Men have done the same with me. They've shared books with me and say, I think you should read this. I think this would be encouraging to you. And men, it's been a real blessing and challenge uh, for me to do that. The other thing I do with Pursuit of Manliness is on the podcast is ask the guest of each show uh, what they are currently reading 
maybe what they've just read, or is there something that you would recommend? So sometimes what you're currently reading is not a book you'd want to recommend um, to a bunch of men who are going to listen to you with an interview, but you've read books through the years and you want to share them. Uh, That's a question that I always send to the guest ahead of time. Listen, I want to ask you what book or books you're currently reading so that we can, in a sense, uh, learn from you beyond the dialogue. It's one thing to get an interview from someone and get 30 to 45 or 60 minutes of them sharing about a particular topic or season of life. It's another thing to read something that they recommend and you get a better understanding of how they think and maybe what's made them the way that they are. And hopefully that would be an inspiration to you that maybe you'll read that book and take a look at it as well. And it might be a challenge and maybe you'll share it with other guys. So the next few weeks, I plan on uh, releasing that list. If you've already read the, listened to the podcast and you don't need the list, but I plan on sharing the list um, so that it is a concise, clean list where you're able to look at it and say, okay, that's that, that was the book that that guy mentioned. Some have mentioned uh, a couple books. Some of them have mentioned uh, many books. And as you might remember, T.C. Stallings said, first and foremost, the Bible, you have 66 books. Get in that one first. And that's the next thing. I want to make sure you guys have a plan for 2018 when it comes to being in the Word of God. We want to be men of God in the Word of God, being changed by the presence of God. And so uh, I find a lot of guys have never read the Bible all the way through. So there'll be particular books or portions of it that you, for whatever reason, just haven't read. And guys, I just want to be honest, that is inexcusable. If we are men of God, we have to know the tools that we're working with. And the Bible is the primary tool. Um, if If you want to read left to right, the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, that's great. If you want to read the Bible chronologically and get the order of events the way they've happened, that's great. I want to give you a heads up. Uh, You will have stories repeated at times because that's what the Bible does, especially in the Old Testament. Uh, But I want to encourage you to pick a plan that you can go through the entire Bible in 2018. This would be an opportunity to have God, to have the Holy Spirit speak to you as you look through every single word throughout the Word of God uh, in that year. Uh, You can listen to the Bible uh, on your phone. You can listen to it um, however you want to do it. I would really want to challenge you to get a printed copy of the Bible and read it. And, and get into it and make it yours for 2018 and just live in it, mark it up and just just live in that book and say, this is, this is 2018 is going to be a different year for me. So when that ball drops, December 31st, 2018, I can say for the first time in my life, I read through the whole Bible. Uh, maybe you've done it many times. You can say, this is another time I'm going to do it. I'm going to join forces with other guys and we're all going to read it together. I don't care how you do it left or right, chronologically, whatever you want to do. Um, I think I'm going to do chronologically. I haven't done that in a while, so I'm thinking about doing that. Uh, But guys, I want to make that an encouragement to you, but a challenge to you to really consider doing that. Be intentional. It doesn't have to be difficult. It just needs to be intentional. All right, man. It's time for uh, part two of my interview with Gordon Dalby. Once again, if you missed part one, you can go to iTunes and download it there. Let's listen to uh, the second part of my conversation with Gordon. Gordon, in your book, you share a story about buying a pair of cowboy boots. What well, you don't actually buy the boots. Uh, this story uh, leads you to unpack the struggle that I think a lot of guys face when identifying with generations of men, particularly working class men that have come before them. At the end of the chapter, you say, I know at last that I am a working man. I may never need cowboy boots to do the job, the job which God has called me. 
I don't work out of guilt. I recognize now my responsibility to do what I can with the gifts that God has given me to make this world a better place. What would you tell a guy who struggles with this? Maybe it's the profession that he is a part of or not feeling as manly as other working class men that have come before him. Yeah, well, it's clear in the culture when they show the, the um, commercials and the, and the football games, you know, the guys who are drinking the beer or the guys getting off the oil rig or, you know, they're working <laughs> at the factory. Doing the, they, they, you don't see a guy with his three-piece suit on going down to get a beer with the guys. That just doesn't happen. He's he, he's probably driving a, a Lexus. And I, I shouldn't say <laughs> He's driving a nice, sweet car where the other guys are driving their trucks and stuff, which is presented as much more manly and muscular and all that. So, you know, my grandfather was a steel worker. He worked 60 hours a week in a steel mill and died from uh, work-related injuries uh, in, in his early 50s. He couldn't read or write. My grandfather, you're talking to a writer here, okay? Uh, my grandfather couldn't read or write. Um, he was... Um, violent with his children uh, and my dad um, thank God my dad uh, I tell that story in another book but uh, my dad chose to make some choices to make things uh, different in that regard for his son uh, but my dad always was grew up during the depression and work uh, work was what made you a man yeah. Uh, if you, uh, you know, and, and we, we, we all, the culture carries that. Uh, we, we have names, Carpenter, Miller, Baker, you know, all the, the, those are surnames, men's surnames, uh, which are jobs. And so uh, if you don't work, then you're not a man. You, you, you literally are, are have no manhood because you're not a baker anymore. You're not a carpenter. You're not a miller. If you're not milling, if you're not carpentering, if you're not baking, you're not a, you're not a baker. So you, 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 your identity is disintegrated if you're not working. So we worship work. Uh, the Nazis uh, during World War II over, over the concentration camps where they were murdering Jews systematically, they had a uh, tagline over the top of Auschwitz saying, Arbeiten macht frei, which means work sets you free. Uh, that's the way the devil, I'm not, I'm not an anti war I, you know, my dad, thank God, my, literally my dad worked and I have a job and I support my family, but that is, did not define me. In Genesis, it says right clearly, uh, the, the, the consequence of the fall is the man will work from dust to dust and he will get it from, at the soil, so we'll get his identity from work and no longer get it from Father God, and that's what Jesus has come to do. It shows that, 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 um, that he will, he will provide for us as we surrender to him and our gifts to him and, and with a job and uh, we're not defined by uh, the work we do in this world but by his work and uh, saving us for to enable us to go to the father so um uh, my father, grandfather was like that. My dad just, you know, whoever works is, and if you didn't work, boy, that was a, a very negative thing. So um, for me, uh, I, I, I began to feel guilty because I went to college. Uh, I, 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 I did summertime jobs, working, uh, shoveling sand and driving trucks and stuff. So that made me feel pretty good. But once I got my college degree and began to be a teacher and a, a 
pastor, oh my goodness, that is the least masculine. You don't see pastors out there in the commercials and uh, in, in the uh, with the ball game. The South pastors are way down the scale on that on masculinity. Um, Jacob, uh, the one who, uh, whose bloodline comes down, was a, a wimpy character who, who stayed among the tents while his brother Esau was out hunting the meat. So uh, there, there's a very low masculine coefficient or identity in, 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 uh, in us clergy types. Um, but uh, the work for me, I had to come to realize that was, was that what I was doing was working for the kingdom of God and work as unto the Lord, Colossians 3.23, it says, and I was working unto the Lord. And in fact, my dad was a supply officer in World War II. He, he was on the aircraft car. He didn't fly the planes, but the planes didn't fly without him. He provided the, the, the materials, the, the rivet and the engines and the bullets and the food for the supplies and the, 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 the rockets, whatever the ship needed to supply for its job, he provided it for them. And he made sure it was there on the ship when they left port. Well, I'm a supply officer in the kingdom of God. I supply men with what they need for their, to win the battles, their battles. So um, I didn't get into the Navy of the, the arm, the Navy of this world, the military for this world, but the Lord began to show me that you are a warrior in my kingdom, and I will teach you what my kingdom looks like so other men will understand. Yeah, speaking of the warrior, one of the areas I believe Christian men really struggle with, or even non-Christian men for that matter, is this under this true understanding of, of who Jesus is, and he's the manliest man that's ever walked this earth. Uh, in your book, you ask the question, does Jesus exhibit the traits of the ideal warrior? Kind of what you're saying. Would Jesus be uh, getting off work, jumping in his pickup truck and going out to tailgate? Or would Jesus be getting in um, you know, the minivan and going home and you know, being very domesticated? So how would you answer that idea of him demonstrating the traits of an ideal warrior? Yeah, well, the world offers us only these hard-line, extreme polarities, like you say, either jumping in a pickup truck and, and going to the bar with the guys, or being kind of a wimpy guy who sits around the house, yes, dear, yes, dear, yes, dear. Uh, Jesus was 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 animated by a power far, I would say, greater than himself, but it, it was Jesus. The Spirit of God was fully manifest in Jesus, but he knew that there was a larger reality that he was uh, here to um, propagate or, or to to bring into this world. And that's why, you know, it's, the world knows this. You watch a James Bond movie, for example. James Bond is, is a slick guy. He's got his, his, his tuxedo on. He's in Monte Carlo. He's rolling the dice. He's got a martini in his hands, but he's not looking at the dice. He's looking around for the bad guy, and he's looking. He he's there on per, on a much larger purpose. He fits in, yes, but he's got a greater purpose. He's there to fulfill, and that's the first mark of, of a real man. And Jesus had that in spades, shall we say. He came with a to destroy the works of the devil. He came to bring the Spirit of God, the Father God, to, that not just to adult, would only not, not just reside in one human being, Jesus, on one locale, Israel, at one time, thousands of years ago, but that the same Holy Spirit that animated Jesus from Father God could animate us thousands of years later today in every part of the world. 
Now that will blow your mind, so that you will know what is the hope to which he has called you, how very great is his part work in us who believe. This is the same as the mighty strength which he used when he raised Christ from death and seated him at his right hand in the, in the heavenly realm. That's what the Holy Spirit gives in Ephesians uh, 1, 15 to 20. The Holy Spirit gives us that power that God, that's power of God. And that's what Jesus came to bring in his spirit. Uh, and uh, that's what we're we're all longing for, uh, but um, uh, unfortunately, uh, we we don't realize the cost of that. That in order to receive the Spirit of God fully, you have to be you have to take up the cross. You have to die to your flesh, and not only once. I mean, every day. You have to give it up and say, "Oh, I'd like to get that one thing to say to my." husband or wife that really make my point and put him in her place. Right? I'd really like to say that to my boss. Right? I wish I could just make my kid do this or that. All those sinful impulses that come to us um, are part of life in, in this broken world. But the question is uh, not whether we'll have those impulses, not whether uh, the world will, will, will stir these things in us, but whether what we'll do with it. Uh, Martin Luther said, you can't keep the birds from flying overhead, but you can keep them from making a nest in your hair. <laughs> that is to say, you can go to Jesus, you can cry out to Jesus, whose name means God saves, and say, I'm dying. I am, I'm dead without you. I have no life without you, Jesus. And I need you to come and fill me with your spirit so I can accomplish the purpose you set me to accomplish here. Amen. You know, one of my favorite and, and probably most impactful chapters is the one that you titled, Come Out, Son of Our People. And the reason why I think just a lot of men wrestle with this, identifying when you move from a young boy to manhood. Is it when you get a tattoo, have sex, find a, a Playboy magazine, go to the military, you know, whatever it is, you ask the question, uh, which I've thought about and I've talked to other guys about since reading it, what might an authentic Christian male initiation look like? What What do you think it could possibly look like in, in 2017? Well, I have a uh, chapter on that, as you said, in Hitting the Mask on Soul, uh, but I think the the indication that this is so desperately needed, and I've been preaching this for 30 years, and it's very hard to find churches that are will dare to take this, this up, because the leaders, us, that's us. I never had a time when, when my dad called me to be with other men and, and said, you're a man. I, very, very, very few men, if any today, have had that. I know some who have because I they have called me to help them uh, put together a, a man's initiation, a young man's initiation like that. But uh, basically... I got this idea from uh, the, the Nigerian men I lived with uh, as a Peace Corps volunteer uh, 30, 40, almost 40 years ago now in Nigeria, Igbo, and who all the, the young men at my high school where I taught, and I was out in a very rural area, and uh, one of the young men came to me, uh, one of my best algebra students, and came to me and said, um, Mr. Dalby, how is it that the, the young men in your village are called out to be men and join with the other men in their calling as men. I said, what? <laughs> well, you know, the boys need to become go with the men, and so how do the fathers in your village uh, 
tell the boys they're men and, and bring them into the fellowship of men, manhood. And I thought, oh my goodness, here I am, bachelor degree in mathematics from Duke and over there to, to save these underdeveloped people. <laughs> what a joke. <laughs> these guys knew more about manhood than I. They knew Jesus, but, but they knew manhood. And I, I, I knew Jesus, but I had much of a clue about manhood. That, that, that uh, manhood, uh, there's any, these cultures, no, it begins with letting go of something. It begins letting go of boyhood. And in that sense, it means letting go of mom. Let's get honest. Let's get real bad. There is no human being in this world that is more, God appoint, more present, more loving, more caring. In that sense, more influential. Uh, the hand that rocks the cradle rocks the world, as it said. Uh, but the fact is that if I were to ask any um, uh, little boy, you know, or even in the womb, if I could ask you in the womb, you know, what's uh, I'm, when you come out into this world, um, you, you're going to know God. And if you could say, well, you know, what's God? I'm just inside this place here. Well, God is the one who surrounds you, protects you, keeps you warm, loves you, feeds you, provides what you need. Oh, no problem. I know who God is. It's this woman and whose body I reside. I'm part of uh, part of her body. So there was a great temptation uh, to to hold on to that on, on the boy's part. And it is the, uh, the father's job to bless the mother, to bless the boy and his relationship with the mother, but offer the boy the larger dimension of manhood and say, come with me and I will show you another dimension of life which will build upon and will, will give you an, an additional, not a, not a totally different, so you have to hate your mother. That's what we have in cultures like ours. You, there's a lot of woman hating that goes on because we don't know how to break free from our mothers because they have not had fathers to take us. It's, it, I, I think it's like, I remember when, uh, uh, you know, when, when it, get, it rains outside one time, my boy's about four or five years old, it was rainy and muddy outside, and I looked at him, he looked at me, and we were looking out the way, I said, let's go outside. Well, Mary, being a good mother and a, and a wonderful housekeeper, said, no, you can't go outside, you'll get all dirty. And I, I, I knew right then that I had to, to, to speak up, and I said, um, I said, hold on just a minute, so I need to talk to mom about something. We're in another room. I said, honey, I know that you're concerned, but you keep such a wonderful house. I appreciate it so much. But um, we will go outside because we're boys, and boys love mud and dirty stuff like that. And it's okay. It's okay. We're, we're not going to harm anybody. Nobody's going to get hurt. We're going to dress properly so we don't get caught, catch cold, and we'll take all our stuff off. We won't bring any mud into the house. But I need you to bless this in the boy because this is part of what it means to be a boy and it's not going to hurt anybody and I love you so much for the house you take and I, you know and, and I had to advocate and understandably and she has to advocate to me for my son's girlfriend right the other day she said to me Gordon you don't understand <clears throat> women and, and girls and, you, know, you know when you talk to her like that it's gonna, she's not going to take it quite the way you think <laughs> now, if you, I really would suggest that you talk to her differently and all right Tell me, teach me how women think. I don't know. And we each do that for each other. But um, uh, for uh, the, the rite of passage for a boy uh, is just hardly there at all. And it, it didn't, and when, when a boy was worked on a farm, when it was in a agrarian culture, you know, the boy had a job to do. And it was, as soon as he could walk, he could pick eggs out of the hen's basket or go feed the goats and right alongside of daddy. 
and they would sweat together and work together in the fields, but that doesn't happen anymore. Dad goes off in the morning at 8 o'clock and doesn't return. Some mystery play comes back at 5 o'clock, and the boy doesn't have a clue what Dad does. And usually Dad's so tired, they don't do much together. So, um, yes, there is a great sense of longing in a boy to bond with his daddy and to become uh, a part of the fellowship of men. And it is a father's job to do that uh, so that when he meets a woman, when he becomes older as a woman, he is secure in his manhood. So he's not still trying to break away from the mother by hurting his wife and breaking away from that woman because he never broke away from his mother in a healthy way. Uh, which the Bible says, honor your mother. It doesn't say worship her. It says honor her and respect her. And there's a way to honor and respect your mother without worshiping her, without um, letting her define you so that when you get older and you meet a woman and fall in love with her and want to build a family with her, you're not scared of her. You're not going to, you don't, don't think she's holding you back. You're not still a boy with her because you've rooted now with the men in your manhood. And that enables you to bless her and love her and also enables you to stand and give her a word of truth when she needs it, just as we men do at times. That's good. I was thinking about that today. There's seems like there's this tension in the culture that as you want to build up one sex, whether you're pro-man or pro-women, that somehow yes. you have to push down the other sex. And I don't agree with that. Not at you, all. You can build them both no, up at the same at time. Yeah, God's love is... It, it, it's for everybody, you know. It's it's, uh, it's not a zero sum game. I mean, there's, there's enough love to go around for everybody. Right. And the more more manly the men come, the more feminine the women come, and the more we reflect God's image together. I mean, uh, yeah, God made us man and woman in the image of God, and it's it's a marvelous thing. But you see, the reason why the culture can't deal with that drum roll, please. <laughs> is because we haven't been fathered. The father carries the gender distinction. The father, male chromosome has an XY. The female chromosome has XX. The woman's genetic code does not carry the variation. She cannot determine the gender of the child because all she's got is two X's. The male sperm determines the gender of the child because either contributes an X to the woman, the woman contributes an X, that's all she's got, she contributes her X, he contributes an X, and we get XX and a daughter. Woman contributes an X, woman contributes a Y, we get XY and a son. So the father is key to gender identity. And when fathers are not present to their daughters, the daughters do not feel fully feminine. When fathers are not present to their sons, emotionally and physically, sons do not feel like men. And when the, when the wound reaches a tipping point where the majority of the culture has never been fathered, and we're there now, That's right. when the wound becomes normal, the healed man or woman becomes an outcast. And the outcast gets crucified yeah because what you see okay go ahead no what you're saying though i i totally agree with that people who would be on the opposite side of that would say that's that's hateful you're saying you're trying to you know be hateful towards me and 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 i disagree with that just because you don't like it doesn't make it any less truthful well i I think we have to be 
somewhere along the line we have to just say well let's let's, let's deal with reality here yeah. um, this is this is just reality I mean you, you can say well I don't like XY chromosomes well that's fine you have, but don't pick it up with me or right? go to God <laughs> Doc say you don't like it I don't know I can't change that right. um, but I, what I can change at least I know Jesus can change and that's what I've dedicated my ministry to is that when we have so much gender confusion in our culture today because there has not been fathering down through the generations, uh, then that is an issue that the Spirit of God can deal with and can overcome. Amen. Uh, now, you may choose to say, I don't want to overcome it. All right, that's a choice. But I, w- I have to make the case in the larger secular culture, it says, at least... If you have any tolerance at all, let those who want, let those who are born women who want to be fully feminine become that and get the help help they need to become that. Let those who are born male and want to become fully male at least allow them to go get the resources that can accomplish that. I don't have to diss you or put you down. I'm just saying, let's not make it uh, illegal for people to get help to become who they're created to be. Because I've, on my book, I've, I've, I, have, I'm, I'm, I think my writing, as far as I know, are the only Christian books, and I have three books that have chapters on homosexuality explicitly, are the only ones that deal explicitly with gender confusion in a larger context of healing. Uh, there are books written by what might call ex-gays or people who have worked at whole books about that and there are books that don't deal at all with homosexuality but deal with other men's issues but mine are the only books that include uh, overcoming gender confusion in in the larger context of men's healing Um, and it's all it's all about I don't know how much you want to go into that, but <laughs> I, I have that. I could talk about that for quite a while. It's definitely it's, in your it's book. It's a lie. Yeah. It's, it's a lie, uh, and that's all, that's all. We all live our lives. I mean, let's face it, uh, that we all hide from things sometimes that cover our shame and stuff like that, but there are consequences. That's yeah. all. And I, I, I want people to be free, and I want a culture that is tolerant enough to let people become get the resource to become free um, that are there for them. Speaking of your books, you're an incredibly successful author. You know you have quite a collection of books. So my question to you as an author is, what, what do you read? What are you reading right now? What do I read? <laughs> well, I get the news, two newspapers. I get the big, big city paper from Los Angeles, the local paper here in Santa Barbara, California. I get Time Magazine. Um, as far as books go, um, I'm so busy. I'm right now in the middle of a middle. I, hopefully, I'm in the next week or two, my new book uh, will be coming out: "Loving to Fight or Fighting to Love: Winning the Spiritual Battle for Your Marriage." So, um, uh, at this point, I, I just haven't got a lot of time to be, be reading <laughs> different books. Uh, I, I, I'm open, open to suggestions, and I can suggest books to others. But. Um, I guess my, my book reading list these days is pretty shy because I'm just so busy getting this book out right now. Absolutely. So, Gordon, uh, what's the best way for, for listeners to get in touch with you or the ministry you're part of or these books that you're writing? Yeah, well, abbafather.com is my uh, website, abbafather.com. Uh, I have there 
all my books are available cheaper than Amazon, incidentally. And um, see, I'm the son of a depression era guy. I, I go for the bargains. There you go. Uh, and all my books are available. Not on the books, I have DVDs on teachings on fathers and daughters, fathers and sons, com- conferences I've done, CDs, MP3s. Hey, I'm happening. You can download <laughs> all my. To get my book downloads, you have to go to Kindle.com. I can't do that on my website, but um, I have all that, and I have the podcasts and all kinds of links and things you can do that don't cost you anything as well. And I have, uh, uh, you know, uh, all the material at AbbaFather.com. Well, Gordon, I, I can't thank you enough. I can't recommend your book enough. It's the, I, I will confess that's the only one of yours I've read. I hope it's not the last. But, um, man, I, I thank you for being on this podcast. I thank you for sharing your heart. And I think you've given men and women a lot to process and think about. Well, thank you, Jared. It's been a pleasure being with you. Once again, man, I want to thank Gordon Dalby for being on the Pursuit of Manliness show. It's a blessing to have him. Again, I recommend uh, The Healing of the Masculine Soul. It's one of my top books that I've read as far as being a man and just gaining a better understanding of what it means to be a Christian man living in today's culture and just uh, beginning to eliminate some of the excuses that hinder us from truly being um, closer to the man that God has called us to be. Again, uh, if you check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, we're all at Pursue Manliness. The website is thepursuitofmanliness.com. And then, as you know, on iTunes, this is where the podcast sits and resides. So if you would uh, sub- click subscribe, that would be fantastic. You'll never miss uh, any of the episodes with Pursuit of Manliness. And if you would be so kind to leave a five-star review, that would really help. It's not only good for the Pursuit of Manliness, it's also good for the guests that come on the show. They're putting in time and effort and things like that. Um, It's also good for them, and it continues the conversation about what they're about and what the Pursuit of Manliness is about. So, guys, thanks for listening, and I hope that you keep pursuing manliness.